Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, joined by special guest Hayes of the Locked On Bulls podcast. And we're talking what else? Trade deadline. Even though there's been some reports that the Bulls might want to stand pat at this deadline, which I asked Hayes about. We talk about Alex Caruso because he seems like a pretty perfect Knicks fit if they would be willing to go get him and if the Bulls would be willing to trade him. We talk about DeMar DeRozan. We talk about Zach Levine, however unlikely that would be, and then do some really fun mock trade negotiations and actually come to a deal at the end. So stay tuned for that next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto download function on your favorite podcast app after you subscribed so that you can make sure you don't miss anything. It's the trade deadline this week. Of course, there's going to be extra content at some point. That way you'll make sure that you get a notification right when we go live or right when we post a new episode. Definitely want to be in on that. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, and you can find the strict.land. And like I said, I'm joined by Hayes of the Locked on Bulls podcast. We got a really good discussion here, so I'm not going to hold us up any further. Let's get right into it. All right, it's crossover time. Alex Wolf here from Locked On Knicks. Hayes from Locked On Bulls. And uh, it's trade season time. Maybe if recent reports are to be believed, maybe the Bulls aren't so into that idea, <laughs> which is what I feel like we have to talk about first, Hayes. You know, I've seen the reports. I, I apologize to whatever reporter. Maybe you can fill me in. I forget who it was that had the report, but reports out there that there some people are hearing that the bulls are just going to stand pat basically that they're like we're cool with where we're at uh there was talk previous to that about you know it seemed like they were maybe taking some calls uh you know and and certainly at least from a Knicks perspective it seems like DeMar DeRozan has always sort of had his eye on the Knicks weirdly and it certainly seemed like he was trying out for them a couple weeks ago <laughs> he's shooting all those threes and everything so i don't know what's going on there but like from the Bulls' perspective, you know, I think there's actually like some intriguing players on the Bulls that if I were the Knicks, I would be looking at and saying, hey, maybe maybe a deal could be made here because like we need some help off the bench and we need some extra playmaking and stuff like that. But what's your take on the whole like Bulls not doing anything at the deadline thing? So as a Bulls fan, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, So our front office, Arturis Karnasover, who's our president of basketball operations, came from the Knicks. And keep in mind, that Knicks team, while they were bad for a while, they never won less than 30 games after Carmelo left until now. So, like, they're a team that's really against blowing it all up. Our front office is really against blowing it all up. So the fact that they are ready to stand pat doesn't surprise me. Not that I agree with that. Not that that's the route that I would have gone. But, you know, people who know the Bulls franchise, I don't think we were really all too surprised by hearing that. It sucks, but that that's just kind of where we are right now. If you were in the front office, what would your approach be going into this? Because I just feel like, like if it were me and I'm not like I'm not a Bulls fan, so maybe I'm approaching this too much from an outside perspective, but I would be like, maybe it's about time to strip it down to studs, 
get some pick equity back because they put a they put a decent amount of pick equity into acquiring um uh Vucevic obviously mm-hmm. and you know they kind of they they've done some work with that cost them future assets to build this team and I I kind of feel like it would be a, a advantageous strategy to try to recoup some of that while they still have the opportunity since it seems like this is just kind of like a playing team more or less every year now at this point and it's a little hard to rely on the guys healths and uh, you know various health and everything else like I don't know what would what would your approach be like if you were going in this as the Bulls Pobo or GM or whatever like what would be your your thought process going into this trade deadline I think my first thing would be to look at breaking up our core three Zach Vooch Damar they just don't work together. They don't. They all had really good individual seasons last year, but it didn't equate to team success. So I think the first thing I'd be doing is taking calls on those three guys, seeing who gets who gets us the best offer, and then reviewing it. Um, I know Demar is going to come up here at some point. Like you know, I I like what Demar's brought. He's been everything that that he ha- that you expected him to, him to be when he came to this team. Yeah, he's never been a great defender. I know that's the biggest critique on him, and it's a huge critique and an honest one. But he's been what what you signed them to be. But as this team moves forward, you got to ask yourself, do you still need that going forward? And so that's kind of what I would look at. I don't know about the selling off Caruso and things like that. He is a really big, important piece of Bulls culture. And I think even if you do go young, you want some veterans around to help kind of guide that. So Caruso is one that I would keep around, but I'd be listening to calls on everyone, at least be monitoring what's out there for us to possibly get. Yeah, I mean... it they're kind of in a weird place right like it seems like from my perspective and you know i again i'd be lying if i said i was like paying attention to every bulls game or or anything like that but you know you see a guy like kobe white who's on a cost control contract having a career year Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like well that seems like you gotta maybe build around a little bit and yet it still seems like they're sort of clinging to the i guess i was gonna say the ghost of the past but it's almost like the ghost of the present you know what i mean of like like this core that seems destined to break up at some point. And yet you do have, I mean, if they opt to just stand pat for the long term, they've got Levine locked up for another three years after this, potentially, if he picks up his option. yeah, They've got Vooch uh, lined up for another two years after this. Kobe lined up for another two years after this. They got the Sumu up for another two years after this. I mean, there's like, there's a lot of kind of equity invested in this team at this point. Uh, it seems like unless they decide to send them off to other teams and just kind of start drafting and trying to acquire picks. I mean, I, I do think one thing that is advantageous for the Bulls from my perspective as a Knicks fan who for a long time, you know, felt like the Knicks were lacking in this category. The Bulls have been, for better or worse, a really attractive free agent destination, I feel like, over the years. Like, they've managed to lure, maybe they don't get, the number one dude out there, but they consistently get like the number two or three free agent willing to come there, whether it was, whether it was DeRozan or, I mean, again, (laughs) for better or worse, like Dwayne Wade (laughs) a number of years ago or things like that. Like the, the allure of Chicago seems to still kind of be there. So I do wonder if, if they were able to kind of bring this down, show, Hey, we've got a vision. We've got a young core ready to just kind of be slotted into by a big name free agent or something if maybe they'd be able to make something happen there. I don't know, but am I off base there? Like, I'm not going to lie to you. 
The yeah. fact that you said you feel that the Bulls have been a free agent destination almost just took me completely aback because we have a completely different like. So I'm I'm, I'm gonna I, your perspective on it is interesting and I and I want to stay there for a minute. But because for, for Bulls fans, we look at it like this: we got Demar Derozan, but we got Demar Derozan in the offseason where his his top three destinations that he wanted to go to all looked at him and said, "No, you're not even worth the mid level exception." <laughs> But we gave him money. We got Lonzo Ball, who, yeah, that was a get. But I think everybody understood because, remember, the, the Bulls almost traded for Lonzo Ball that previous deadline. That's why they were able to get the deal done so quick when he did hit for agency. And then we got hit with tampering. So I, I, I it's interesting to hear that, that, that outside perspective because as Bulls fans, one thing that you'll commonly hear as a critique from Bulls fans is that we don't get free agents. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just maybe it's just two it, birds of a feather flocking together here. Yeah, maybe just kind like of that. That's looking at each other and being like, well, I feel like you guys have done pretty well for yourselves. And you, you guys are probably looking over at the Knicks being like, well, the Knicks have done pretty good. But like with the Knicks, it was like similar, you know, like it felt like they always were kind of missing out on their top guys. Obviously, like 2019 was the big year missing out on it, which now it seems like a godsend missing out on Durant and, and Kyrie that year. Uh, getting Julius Randle, who's now a three-time All-Star, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But like that, so that that was like a developmental free agent signing. Like he was not considered to be even like the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth best free agent that year. But the Knicks got him. Uh, and then same with Brunson last year. You know, it was just kind of like everybody was like, "Oh, they overpaid him. Like, how dare you pay a player twenty-five million dollars a year in this NBA to be a starting point guard?" Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, well, the Lord forbid. Now he's he's potentially an MVP candidate. So that's cool. So yeah. I feel like in many ways for the Knicks, it's just kind of been like things breaking the right way uh, with regards to free agents. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks and placing some super bets. I, I really resonate with that snack part, you know, me and my friends. Some of my friends aren't even football fans. So part of my yearly tradition of the Super Bowl is explaining how football works to a number of people in the room with me, which is always sort of a fun time until it gets to the final few minutes. But uh, also the football snacks. That's always one of my favorites. We have basically like a cooking competition to see who can make the best snacks. My cheeseburger dip, usually a pretty big hit. So, you know, ask for the recipe if you want. But if I'm placing some bets this year, I've got a, I've got a big idea and you know, the odds keep going down and down. So take advantage while you can Travis Kelsey right now, plus 1700 to win Super Bowl MVP. I mean, he had a really good AFC championship game. I know quarterbacks traditionally win this thing, but if you want to put your conspiracy theory hat on and you think that the NFL would enjoy having Taylor Swift up on that stage, if the chiefs win the Super Bowl, uh, then maybe Travis Kelsey plus 1700 could win you a bunch of money. So definitely check that out and, and maybe just place a little bet, you know, cause a little bit goes a long way with plus 1700 odds. And not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored and so much more new customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins. So just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Anyway, I want to talk about some of these guys that are on the Bulls because they're like, if I were the Knicks GM, if I were Leon Rose, I would certainly be calling the Bulls and trying to shake a couple of these guys loose because 
there's some intriguing names here. And I think the number one is Alex Caruso, who you mentioned already. Um, you know, DeRozan and Levine are kind of like the big names. And obviously Vooch would be one too, if the Knicks were at all in the market for a center, but I don't think they are. Because yeah. uh, Hartenstein's playing great. Mitchell Robinson should be back at some point. So I think that would fall very low on their, uh, their uh, priority list. But Caruso, I think, pretty much fits exactly what this team would want. I mean, they love KG defenders. They love guys that can defend multiple positions. And Caruso can certainly do that. I think the one thing that maybe the Knicks would have a little bit of reservation with, with regard to Caruso versus some of the other guys that they're rumored to be looking at, like Malcolm Brogdon is a name that comes up a lot. Um, Jordan Clarkson has come up a lot. Prior to his trade to the Heat, like Terry Rogier was reportedly a guy that they were looking at. So they're looking for sort of a someone to come off the bench and handle ball handling responsibilities and, you know, score the ball and whatever. And if you look at Caruso, like he definitely fits the defensive profile of this team mm-hmm. to a T. But what's your assessment on him as a as a ball handler? Like how much does he handle of that? with the bulls uh how much is he initiating offense and like what's just kind of your overall take on him as a creator so alice caruso can create he doesn't do a whole heck of a lot of the ball handling he's actually one of our better off ball players so i think that's why i know he does have that capability we've we've have used him in that way at times um but we primarily use him off ball and that's just because we have ball dominant players in zach and now kobe's turned into that as well and damar um but Caruso is one of those players that just gets it done. And I, and, I, and I know that's not necessarily maybe the best podcasting explanation for it, but that's really what it is. Like Caruso is just a, one of those players that he impacts the game so flawlessly that sometimes it's easy to overlook exactly what he's doing because it, it just comes so, so easy. Yeah, yeah. It, I've always gotten that impression looking at him, and I, I feel like there are some similarities in some ways to like a Josh Hart on the Knicks where mm. – He's he's very similar. Like he get he goes out there, he just kind of fills every part of the stat sheet yeah. a little bit while he's out there. He's all over the place, just plays like a animal the whole time that he's out there and is always after every loose ball, is always trying to get his hand on on you know the ball in the passing lane, always trying to start the fast break, that sort of thing. And like Caruso this year, statistically, having one of the best years of his career, actually in most categories, setting career highs this year. Yeah, uh, 10.1 points, 3.6 boards, 2.7 assists. He's got 2.3 total stocks per game, which jumps off the page to me, uh, as well as shooting a almost career high 41% from three. He shot 48% one year with the Lakers, but on much lower volume. So I would say this year represents a, a really big uh, upgrade there and a career high 49% from the field. Um, I don't know, man. I, I really like this dude. So like, if we're, if we're starting to put guys aside for potential trade discussions in a second, if we want to play like mock GM, he's high on my list. Um, another guy that that sort of stands out to me that I would I, – well, all right. Can, can I just assume that Kobe White is completely off the table? For the yes, Kobe, there's no, there's no goal. This is non-starter. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, non-starter. <laughs> that's about what I figured. I mean, he's, he's playing so good. I've watched yeah. a little bit of him, and I – I stupidly did not pick him up fast enough in fantasy basketball. Oh that's man, that's surprising. Yeah, yeah, lost out. Someone else got him ahead of me, but yeah, I mean, he's he's having a career year. Certainly would love to get him, but understandable. He's 23 years old and locked in for 
11 to 13 million dollars over the next three seasons including this one that's that's absolutely insane value um if i was looking at, i mean what dosumu too I, i'm assuming that he's probably off the table too i mean i he's he's also having a pretty good year another guy that kind of fits the knicks profile of what they like from guards heady defensive guy seems like can shoot the three a bit but like what's your what's your read on him yeah, I think with the the contract that Io's on and the way that he's really been thriving since moving from our starting point guard last season to coming off the bench, I don't think the Bulls are really looking to move uh, Io while he's on that cost-friendly contract to just make sure that this this change in him is going to be real and legit. And even when he's been into the starting lineup, there's been times because of the injuries he's moved into the starting lineup, he's found a way to stay productive. So I don't really see the Bulls, unless it's like an amazing deal, being willing to move Io to Sumo. That makes sense, too. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move to the 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 elephants in the room here, uh, Demar Derozan and Zach Levine. Um, I, I'll start with Derozan because I think he's the more realistic. If there was ever going to be one of these two guys to be targeted by the Knicks, mostly because of the fact that I don't know if there is actually a deal that could be struck for Levine that would not cripple very valuable depth on the Knicks that yeah. is literally winning them games without their three best players lately at times or two of their three best players lately at times. Um, so let's, let's talk about DeRozan. There is a world I, I did run this. I ran these numbers cause I just wanted to be sure there is a world where the Knicks could make this happen without really harming their, their rotation too much. Um, they could, as of right now, Jericho Sims is playing a bit of a role. And actually looks really good. So I, I would consider that kind of a get for the Bulls in this case as like more or less a throw in. But uh, Evan Fournier is sitting there as a big salary chunk. Then you've got Ryan Archie Diacono, which would be really sad for all the people that love this whole Villanova Knicks thing. But all in all, they've traded him once. They'll do it again if they have to. Uh, they, he understands it's a business. Former and then they bull have there, by the way. What's it? Yeah. Diacono's former bull. Once a bull, always a bull, right? Yeah. I, you know, so this this is really like checking all the boxes here. But <laughs> if if the Knicks did want to do it, they could do that and then just fill things out with like a pick or something. Uh, to you, what's your read on the DeRozan situation? Because to, like, I don't know, he's going to be a free agent this coming summer. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think he's more or less a goner? Do you think he's going to stick around? Like, I feel like he's almost hitting that like ring, ring chasing part of his career where he's going to want to finally like, cross that off the list or something because it, it i don't know if he how long he would want to stay with the bulls at this point i mean that's what it feels like uh but then we hear things like demar saying he would love to retire a bull so I, and some of that's probably posturing to see if he can get a deal from the bulls things like that but the way that i look at it is the bulls are playing this and i think they're playing it right is that you know if you can't come to a contract essentially with demar team-friendly contract you you may take calls on them at the trade deadline but they they just because he becomes an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year doesn't necessarily mean that they still can't get something back for him. We got him in a sign and trade. And you would think that a lot of teams that could be interested in DeMar and even in the offseason may be over the luxury tax. So they may need a sign and trade to be able to sign him. So maybe the Bulls are trying to play those odds there that maybe even if he does walk that they, they have the opportunity of maybe getting a sign and trade to get something back for him. Because I just don't think a lot of teams are going to offer a whole heck of a lot back for, back for DeMar uh, at this trade deadline, even though he's still a productive player even at his age. Yeah, it, it, that does make sense. And, you know, it's easy to forget about the whole sign and trade thing. But yeah. considering the state of so many of the contending teams right now that would maybe want to add him in that, like, sort of ring-chasing capacity, it's it, with these new luxury tax rules that are really going to start 
putting the screws to teams like this offseason, I think. I think this yeah. is going to be one of the first offseasons we really see the the big ramifications of those new rules. Uh, that might be useful for the Bulls. I, I do want to get your opinion. Gavin and I have had some debates on this. We've we've brought up DeRozan as a trade target before. Mm-hmm. And Gavin's a little more in favor than I am. Uh, I If I recall correctly, I laughed in his face the one day when he said that he was like, kind of in on it i was like man not me (laughs) if if i'm playing gm i'm not going for demar Derozan personally but the biggest thing that worries me is that i look at his shot profile and he's not shooting the three really any better than he has at any point in his career and he's still shooting just as many long twos but shooting them the worst he's ever shot them for example he's got 196 attempts this year from long two shooting 36% on those and 134 attempts from three shooting 33 and a half percent on those, which just worries the crap out of me uh, as someone who enjoys the fact that the Knicks have become seemingly a very analytical minded team at this point that pretty much just shoot threes, try to get to the rim. And then occasionally if Brunson needs to hit for mid range or Julius needs to hit for mid range or something, they have it in the bag, but it's just not really, something that they go to all that often. What's been your, I mean, you've kind of seen the last few years of play for him. What's been your kind of read on how DeMar's game is aging and and do those mid-range attempts and like his reliance on that still worry you at all? Of course, because it's it's not like the modern style, and especially like we're really hurt by it, I think, a little bit more than maybe you guys would be because we just don't have a whole heck of a lot of three-point shooting in general. Now, to DeMar's credit, he's averaging the most three-point attempts Per game for his career and hitting those at the third highest clip of his career. It's just he's hitting them at a 33% clip. So um, you know, he's he's just not a consistent three-point shooter. But the the way that this game is aging, it's it it feels like he's always gonna be able to be a productive player. Now, I will agree, he started off the season, him, Zach, and Damar, they were all shooting their worst. Uh, true shooting percentages of their career to start like the first 20 games of the season. It's gotten a little bit better, but it's still in that concerning area. But looking at DeMar and and how he is, he's the, I I call him this on the show. I say he's the best bad shot maker in the NBA. Because he takes some shots that you're just looking at. There's no way. And then it goes in. And it's like the eye test and the number test tell me two different things about DeMar because I watch him play and I and it he's always productive. It always seems like outside of a few games where he, he's really guarded by some length, he has trouble there. But then the numbers, you look at the numbers, and you're like, this just it doesn't make sense. And so Demar's one of those players. It, it defies logic sometimes. But I think if you bring him on a team that has a solid enough foundation, that has three point shooting, that has a really good point guard, which would apply to you guys, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, well, that's that's a pretty good sales pitch. I don't know, man. Yeah, he's. A, Sounds like a hooper to me. That's what I'm yeah, hearing. That's, here. That, this what, that's a great, he's just a hooper. That's <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And what is Prize Picks? Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America and the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. So instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you just pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And this week on Prize Picks, I'm selecting, well, I usually keep it Nick centric because I feel like when it's the team you know best, you're in good shape to win. So pretty much any time it comes up lately, I'm going to take the over on the Jalen Brunson points, especially with them in the the 
situation that they're in now with all the injuries and everything. So as long as OG's injury persists, Quentin Grimes, obviously Julius Randle, I'm going to be taking the overs on Jalen Brunson for the foreseeable future. Also smart money with his minutes restriction up to take the over on Isaiah Hartenstein rebounds. And the one that you can maybe, you know, definitely have be a good little flex play is Presh Sachua. Take the over on steals. He's been really getting his hands in there a lot, getting a lot of steals. I think that's a good a good call to do. Could potentially win you up to 25 times your money that way if you put together a nice entry. And PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entry stays in play even if one of your players gets injured. Hopefully that doesn't happen to the Knicks because they can't really afford another injury right now. But just in case, you will be covered. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's let's briefly talk about Zach Levine, too. Uh, he's, I mean, look, hasn't played that many games this year. He seems like he's been very consistently injured so far this year he's played in 25 games uh averaging his lowest points total per game since his fourth season in the league his first season in chicago actually uh his lowest point total since then uh shooting lower from three than he previously has i mean it kind of just seems like everything's down across the board do you attribute that to the fact that he's had a hard time staying healthy this year so far I mean, he came he, that he was started like I said, him and him, Zach and uh Zach DeMar and Vooch all started off the season extremely rough. Um, I think it's a mixture of the other yeah, injuries. He's been slow. Zach Levine's always been a player that when he comes back from injury, it takes him a while to ramp up. That's always it doesn't matter what the injury is, no matter how severe or minor, he always kinda takes a little while to get back in rhythm. And so um him constantly getting injured is definitely worrisome, especially now that we got like what 30 games left on the season. So uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. But Zach still can be a productive player. We saw him play some of his best basketball in the Bulls uniform last year after we acquired Pat Beverly. And Bev came to the team and, and literally said, Zach, I don't want you to do nothing but shoot. And I think if Zach has a strong foundation again and a leader, because he's not, and I, I don't say that to knock Zach, but Zach isn't a boisterous leader. He's a leader in the sense that I'm going to go out there and try to score and get us back in this game at times. But He's not that boisterous leader. I think if you have a strong leader on the team, Zach will fall in line. That's why when the kind of the Miami Heat rumors popped up, even though they're like, well, does, does he really fit Heat culture? I said, you know, between Jimmy Butler and Eric Spoelstra, I think he would be fine if that ends up being the case. But I think you got to have that strong foundation for Zach to kind of to kind of focus on the things that he does well and to mitigate the things that he doesn't do well. Yeah, a, a lot of that description that you just gave reminds me a lot of. Uh, mellow in his time with the Knicks Ooh, where it was yeah. like lead lead by example and he expected everybody to just kind of like understand that and yeah. you know sometimes you need a little more than that especially when a guy is like I mean with Levine it's I feel like it's crazy to think about the fact that he's like 28 years old now like he kind of just felt perpetually like a yeah. young dude for been a long NBA, time what, 10 years now like it, it's crazy yeah. he's been here a decade and he's still under 30 um and to your point with the Carmelo comparison and we saw Carmelo finally get to the Western Conference Finals after what people thought was the over-the-hill Chauncey Billups come to that team. He needed that veteran leadership. So, yeah. So maybe that's the case for for uh, Levine as well yeah. uh, in the future. I mean, he's certainly 
if they don't look to move him, I mean, it's. It, I feel like his contract will just become increasingly harder and harder of a pill to swallow for another team in a trade. So he's making just over forty million this year, forty three million next year, forty six million the year after that, and then in twenty twenty six twenty seven does have an option for about forty nine million. Uh, so that's, I honestly, as we go in and and transfer into this this quick mock trade negotiation. I think I can rule him out from a Knicks perspective because I just don't, I don't think there's even a way to make it work anymore. Like if this was, if this was prior to the season or something, maybe you could have done something with like Fournier and I guess it would have been like RJ and Fournier or something like that, but they've kind of already done that. You know, they used that big salary chunk from RJ and now they're just kind of left with like, it's Fournier's like 20 million. And that's like it, like they have <laughs> all the other guys that are making significant money or too key to this team. And like what they're trying to achieve this year and beyond to potentially move from. Uh, so let's, let's zero in on it. I don't know if I want to zero in on DeMar DeRozan. I don't <laughs> even know if I want to make an offer. We're playing trade negotiation now. So now I'm like, oh, okay, we've had our talk about him. I don't think I really want to bring him on the team if I'm being completely honest. Um, so let's, let's just zero in on Caruso. Cause this is the guy that I would be going after if I were the Knicks. Mm -hmm. So let's assume that we're, we're picking up the phones here and we're talking about uh, uh, trying to get Caruso on the Knicks. I'm trying to make this work numbers wise, which is kind of the hard part because I, I think I would still, well, I guess this could potentially leave the door open from a Knicks perspective to still have Fournier's contract for something else, I guess. I don't know, because he, he makes an awkward amount of money for the Knicks to try to acquire. Yeah. Uh, nine and a half million this year, about 10 million next year. Uh, let me just start with this. If you were going to try to set a pick compensation number, where about would you be on an Alex Caruso? For Alice Caruso, I two first round picks. They could be they could be protected, but two first round picks is the base. Okay, I mean the Knicks have that, and I think yeah. they would almost be willing to do that. Uh, the The problem at this point, I think, would just be making the salaries work. Uh, and yeah. I, man, like there is talk that the Knicks are kind of on the rocks with Quentin Grimes for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I think maybe that's alleviating a little bit as he's getting some more playing time lately. He said we've heard a lot less of him being unhappy, but assuming that Grimes were in the deal, would he count like a first round pick to you? I'm not the highest on Quentin Grimes. Maybe the Bulls front office takes that a little different. I know he has potential. I'm just personally me. I'm not, I'm not the highest on Quentin Grimes. Now, I mean, it's not that I would turn down the deal, but I don't know if I'd be willing to count him as a first round pick. Okay. All right. So I'm thinking my offer would probably come in something like, because I can't find a way to make this work with Fournier. So I would probably, if I were the Knicks, I would then turn around and try to find some other deal for Fournier. Just mm. stack the heck out of this team and just say, we have enough depth to absorb any losses because they're showing, if they've shown one thing these last couple of games, I'm recording this right after a freaking thrilling win over <laughs> the Pacers where they just won without Julius Randle, without OG Ananobi, without Quentin Grimes available. Uh, against a mostly full-power Pacers team, except for Halliburton had a strict, very strict minutes limit, apparently. Yeah. Um, but I, I would probably then, with, with Fournier's salary, be like, hey, screw it. Let's try to go for Brogdon, too, uh, and just go for that. So let's – if I would throw you an offer, and I, I haven't trade machine this yet, so I don't know 100% if this works. 
uh, it would be close though with the 120% rule. They they could probably finagle it somehow. But if I offered you Quentin Grimes, Ryan Archer Diacono, and Jericho Sims, plus the Knicks have they have uh the Jazz's second round pick this year, and they have uh they have two protected or sorry, they have three protected first round picks going forward, and I'll give you your choice of one of those, either one from Washington, which probably will convey around like 2025, 2026. Yeah, probably like 2026. They're pretty bad. Or Detroit. Again, same deal. Probably around 2026 would convey. Or Milwaukee's first round pick next year, which conveys anywhere as long as it's not in the top four. Or you could have the Knicks unprotected first round pick this year. What would you think of that offer? The Washington pick seems very promising. It really does. I will warn you, I think the least it's ever protected is like top eight. Top eight. Yeah. And then it conveys like two seconds, I think. Two seconds. Okay, if that's the case, I'll take the Knicks first round pick unprotected. Okay. And the Utah pick and then those three players? I think, think, yeah, I, I... Again, not a perfect deal, and the Bulls fans are probably going to kill me for this, but in fairness, in being fair, I... My personal biases aside, I think that's a pretty fair deal. All right. Well, there we go. I think we should call that into the league because if I were the Knicks, <laughs> I, I would do that too. Honestly, a lot of Knicks fans are probably going to come in my comments and be like, you're trading Grimes for Caruso. What are you doing? You know, whatever. But I'm buying into the hype. I'm I'm yeah. on the train this year. I'm like, dude, they might be a move or two away from a finals appearance this year. I'm not even kidding. It seems crazy, but they are playing so good right now. And he would be such a seamless fit into what they do that just depth proofing everything on this team would be the most important thing right now and saying, you know what, you'll have a chance next year too, but why not go for it this year as well? Give it a shot. See what you can do. Uh, And if nothing else, just kind of build on what you've already been been putting together here. But yeah, and Caruso is one of those players that can, like, we've played him at power four. He started at power forward for us. The thing is with Caruso, it makes him special. And I know for Knicks fans that are seeing this, uh, that haven't actually watched Caruso play, please do. And that's just not because he's a Chicago Bull. Caruso is one of those players that you will never quite grasp how important he is until you see him actually play. And he can fit in on any lineup. And that's that's why it seems like he's so desirable and also why the Bulls are so reluctant to trade him because he can fit in on any lineup, any lineup. All right. Well, I think that's that's been a pleasure doing business. I, it'll, it'll fit just perfectly with the Knicks thing because they love those guys that can just kind of do everything. If you just add basically another Josh Hart to this team that can shoot the three better, that's that's pretty solid. Uh, anyway, Hayes, this is great, dude. Thanks for popping on. I know uh, you know it doesn't appear to be the most busy trade season for the Bulls this year, but I'm glad that we at least got to hash this out. The Bulls are an intriguing case to me, so I always like checking in with you guys. It's always fun fun hanging out and doing a little crossover sure man thanks for having me